Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. And I'm Matt Condon. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and far, far, far in the future. Who do we have with us, Matt? Who who are, who who are you sitting in an actual physical room with right now? Physically present with Billy Ranacamp, the Clover's man himself, um, maker of many things, uh, but I particularly enjoy Clover's, which just launched. Hence, like, hello, um, <laughs> yeah. But we're in the same room because uh, last week was ETH, uh, ETH Berlin Blockchain Week. The whole hubbub happened. And um, now you won, seems... did you win something? You won something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we won. Like, That's fantastic. Yeah. You won the hackathon. Congrats. Also, That's hi, amazing. Billy. <laughs> hey, Billy. How's it going? Oh, hi. Bi- Billy. Yeah, physically scarce here yeah. in my yeah. Can you give us... Um, I'm assuming that like most people who are listening to this know essentially what clovers is um because everybody that listens to this is is by by definition an nft kind of person but right. the can venn you diagram give us... is just a circle <laughs> it's just a circle can you give us like the the quick version uh, of what it is and then and then we want to i'd love to get deeper in, into it uh i wish there was a super easy way to explain it but uh the thing i've gotten closest to trying to avoid as much as i can is uh it's a scavenger hunt kind of game where uh, you're kind of cruising through this garden of clovers looking for super rare ones, and you have a pig who's really good at finding them, kind of like a truffle pig, searches ahead, and uh, you go through looking for them. On the way, you might find ones that aren't uh, attached to some payout but might just be really, really lovely or interesting, so you maybe pick those. Then you enter into this sort of social space where you might buy or sell them, add them to different albums, comments on them, and um, kind of start embracing the uh clover world what what exactly are these clovers are they yeah what do they look like and and how how are they generated so visually they look like a an eight by eight grid uh, which is super sort of minimalist uh black white sometimes green they have a background that's either black white or gray uh in a circle so they're kind of like these little disc objects uh, and each one comes from a kind of a, a unique and cool hashing algorithm that uh, I try to uh, abstract away most of the time, but eventually people pry open the lid and sort of look in there, and it's actually pretty interesting that that level. But until you sort of start interacting with it, I really do try to keep it away from you. That's, that's interesting. What, that's one of my favorite parts of it. Um, um, is that <laughs> nowhere anywhere on the? I mean, it says the word cryptographic. I think once somewhere that I saw, but yeah. nowhere does it say blockchain or anything like that. We had um, a lot of arguments about even that one presence of the word once about right. whether it should be there or not. And 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 because it was there once, I almost didn't see it the first time. I, I was so kind of, it, I think you were really successful in abstracting that stuff away so far that like I didn't, e- even though even though where I'm coming from, like I I know essentially like what what's going on. Like, um um, I I especially loved the tutorial. I'd love to hear about the um the making of the tutorial it just it it was it was the best i think it's like the best tutorial i've seen (laughs) in a situation like this um great to hear i gotta get that in that it was fun and it like it immediately got me engaged and immediately got me like wanting to do it yeah easily one of the best uh design product experiences i think in the crypto space although that's actually a good question do you do you uh i guess typecast clovers as a crypto project or how do you think about it in its position as like in the world of products? I mean, we definitely had to pick an audience at some point and we had to draw the line somewhere. So we didn't want to make it uh, impossible for laymen to use. Uh, but we knew that most of the people who would be exposed to it would have yeah. a little bit of knowledge about crypto. Right. So we didn't go down the route of trying to explain what a wallet is, try to like onboard them to MetaMask or Portis or something like that. We kind of uh, assumed that they'd be able to either figure that out if we sort of gave them a couple hints or that they already know enough about that where we don't need to spend all of our time explaining that level. Uh, when it comes to the onboarding, though, I really have to give a shout-out to um, Everett Williams, who really spearheaded that aspect of the project, as well as Beltran Baracol, who hosted us for kind of a UX retreat in Spain. Nice. He's uh, been a UX researcher with ENS for a long time and has this 
beautiful art foundation down there from his father's work. He's a famous Spanish artist and invited us down for a week and sort of really helped us UX uh, workshop all these different ideas. And, and that's where all that really came out of. So really appreciative to those two, especially. I mean, it seems like that was extremely successful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who else is involved in the project? So uh, we've been calling ourselves Ben Studio, but it's very much a loose affiliation of myself, uh, Everett Williams, who I mentioned, Nick's Court, uh, and Alan Wu, uh, all here in Berlin, old friends. We've worked together in one capacity or another for a long time, all of us sort of um, rotating around sort of art design and software creation. Alan uh, did by far the majority of the design work, although Everett and Nick's have both helped out a lot in that area. Um, Nick's has done a lot more backend than the other two. Me and him have done most of the backend stuff, but he's also done tons of front end. Everett's been, uh, design and a lot of front end work. And then I've just been all over the place. We also recently worked with Corey Levinson to help with a lot of the simulation work that I was doing in CADCAD. What is that simulation work about? So, um, forever I've been trying to figure out an easy way to model the economics of Clovers to try to, you know, taste, test some very basic assumptions to taste some very basic <laughs> yeah. assumptions. delicious those crypto. clovers are <laughs> yeah. really yummy yeah so uh, tasty those pigs just want to eat them yeah. you can see the metaphor yeah <laughs> i mean the project's been on testnet for two years because mainnet is basically terrifying you mean the uh, taste net the what the taste net. <laughs> the the taste net. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so yummy there that we never wanted to leave it's safe and warm yeah and uh, that's i remember seeing this so long ago um come up I think, Matt, you probably pointed me to it. Yeah, definitely. I remember shouting it out and getting some testnet clovers. And um, I apparently lost the wallet that I was using on the testnet there because <laughs> none of my clovers had transferred over. And you, you'd put the work in to move the testnet clovers over. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so that's so nice. Yeah, wow. Extracting state is not trivial in, like, porting that over. Um, so I got to go searching through the digital dust of my computer and see if I can find <laughs> those clovers. Yeah. If anybody else out there has old keys, they pl- tried with the uh, test net, dig them up. Well, cause you know, if you registered it on the test net, it'd be easy enough for somebody to just steal it and be the first right. to race on mainnet. So we wanted to make sure everybody was able to transfer. So what did you learn, um, about those assumptions that you had in that time? Like what, you know, in the, between then and now, like wh- what were some of the things that, that, st- that stood out to you? Well, definitely that we wanted to change the shape of the bonding curve we're using in our market maker. So those are probably too much jargon already, but uh, we <laughs> wanted to be able to let users cash out their Clover coins because yeah. we've got these Clovers, which are NFTs, yeah. but we also have this whole reward system that's based right. in these Clover coins. It's good. It's, a, it's, it's really, uh, it's sticky. I, I feel it already. It's a very sticky system. That's what's cool about it is that the market maker being automatic is like, sort of a, I mean, it, it means that it's always there and you don't have to rely on the traditional like uh, two-sided market problem around like who wants these things. It's like, well, there's an algorithmic market maker always willing to buy it at what is the price floor so right. type of thing. Exactly. Because right. who so, the hell is going to list Clovercoin on their exchange, especially at day one, you know? Do a initial exchange offering for Clovercoin. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the way I, I, I absolutely love the project and how it's structured and the whole artistic bent, the generative art, the sort of experiment experimentation with crypto primitives. And obviously you were uh, working on bonding curves super early and sort of uh, refungibility, which I guess this is an implementation of. We actually removed that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, the testnet version had it and there's just so many like pits that you can fall into trying to understand what the hell's going on that the pit of the refungible token was just too large to cover too large even relative to the crypto pit that is all of web3 exactly yeah, that's fair that's i mean fair. it's very much an option for future iterations if there's demand i would love to include it but at this point it just was overkill can totally. you tell me what I, I, I don't i'm not as familiar with that like what would what did that entail or what would it entail Sure. So a refungible token would be um, a non-fungible token that can be represented by ERC-20s, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we have this market maker, this bonding curve for these ecosystem tokens, the Clover coins, right? There's somebody who's always willing to buy and sell for you. So we thought it might be cool if something similar could be attached to specific Clovers so that um, I have this super crazy rare Clover, but it's one in a million. Obviously, if I really think that it's it's uh, worth some right. massive amount, it's going to be you're going to have the same liquidity problem. 
How am I going right. to find a buyer who's willing to pay right, 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 right. that amount? So maybe you break it up into basically like stock or shares right. where users can own small pieces of it. Right. And a way to do that is that you actually send the NFT to a contract. So that contract is now the owner of the NFT. Right. But that contract will make tokens. And anybody who owns those tokens de facto owns a piece of that NFT. That came up at NFT Summit. That was the thing about owning a, a, a song a, a song that was like uh, owned by a ERC-20 bonding curve. Hell yeah. Made it into the song. Yeah, yeah. that's in the song. That's in the song it I is, sang yeah. about it, but I didn't. I, I... Loved that. Loved yeah. that, by the way. It's time for the monthly re-listen. We're going to rinse it. Yeah, the I, I guess the, the interesting bit about the Clover Coins is that obviously when you discover this uh, symmetrical clover which is cool because the the clovers have uh, symmetry according to some scarcity curve that's built into the you know the game or how they're generated and so you can do that uh on chain and verify this sort of uh symmetry and and, and and by the way that's a very authentic yes scarcity mechanism feels very natural to because it's just i expect there's a reason you didn't mention how the clovers are generated the actual hashing algorithm um so I'm just going to say it if that's cool, but it's the game of reversi uh, being played by your browser to generate interesting game states. Um, and that's like really neat because the game has existed for a long, long time and sort of the mechanics that make that game interesting are very well defined. And so you can you, you result in interesting game states um, using these predefined rules and you can get to the symmetrical game states uh, which are just as a side effect of the game more valuable or not more valuable, but more um, scarce. And you have like rotational symmetry, which even is even more scarce. And you can have things that are both rotationally symmetric and diagonally symmetric and stuff like that. And that's like really, really interesting. And so you you build up this really um, natural scarcity curve where you have different allocations of um, you know different tranches of clovers based on just how the thing works at a fundamental level. So that's, that feels very natural and very cool. Yeah, and we've already sort of seen the market respond in this amazing way where um, part of it has to do with the current gas price on Ethereum. So the, uh, say, a, a super selfish miner is just trying to make money from this project. And for them to do that, they need to be able to mine when the gas price is low because that'll increase their profit. And what also increases their profit is finding clovers that are symmetrical in three or five ways at the same time. And so you'll see when the gas prices are high, they'll only do those super, super rare ones. And so you can kind of watch the activity feed and just see these ones that you would like never imagine coming up, pop up over and over again. And you kind of have a, a really interesting visual, visualization of the current gas price based on which clovers are being <laughs> redeemed. That's interesting. I didn't even know you could have a flat five-way symmetric uh, clover. So four-leaf clovers are out, five, five, uh, <laughs> five symmetrical uh, clovers are in. Ultra rare, ultra rare, ultra rare. Oh, I want one now. Speaking of like actual clovers, though, I love I love the terminology involved clovers and pigs and things. I mean, when I was a, like, I have this very distinct memory of like sitting out in a clover patch with my best friend when I was like three, you know, or five or whatever, and looking for four four leaf clovers. And that feeling of doing that is is uh you know is a thing that is familiar to a lot of people um what was the process of coming to is, is the word clover related in some way to othello reversi or or that's a really or, good question i never yeah. considered that <laughs> no i mean you you nailed it jonathan with the the three leaf clover looking for a four leaf clover idea yeah. it's like these super rare things that there are versions of them that are three leaves say the asymmetrical ones and actually, right. I think that's the sort of more engaging, longer-term version of the game. But yeah. as this like primary version of it, you know, it's find those four-leaf ones. And I have a confession: I used to do the same thing, but I've never found a four-leaf clover in my life. Neither have I. You know what? My best friend Thomas, when we were little, he would find them every time. He would find like two, it's and I never, literally, never, I've never found one in my, wow. my life. <laughs> yeah. I'd don't know if I've found one. It's not something I keep track of, unfortunately. I know two people who keep track of it, and they post oh. a picture on Instagram every time oh, they do wow. it, and Aww. it's all the time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. How would we... Yeah. Back when I made this dumb app called How Many Rocks Are There, um, where you... It's like Instagram for counting rocks, but I think I should make a new version of that for, for, for four-leaf clovers. Oh, for sure. So people can count and collect all of the four-leaf clovers that they get that's great yeah. so then i assume i assume just when you were thinking about and the 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 pig thing i'm so I, i'm really into the pig like so 
you have this idea of the clovers and you're just like, oh, what what's rooting around in the clovers, like sniffing them out? It's a pig. Is, is that is that more or less how how that that came could up, have or? that could have been Everett as well. I'm not sure. That definitely oh, yeah. sort of came out and was just immediately identified as a great idea. <laughs> I, I like it because it's it's definitely something that we talk about in the show all the time is the metaphors. And instead of you know you're not mining anything. Um, the this pig is just in your computer looking for these these symmetrical clovers for you. Totally. Uh, and that the, just feels yeah. really good. That just feels great. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely fits the metaphor. And I, I like, um, someone had tweeted a picture of the top bar of clovers that just says like, it's got your little icon. It has how many clover coins you have. It has a basket of clovers yeah, that is basket. your sort of staging the, area. Yeah. And then it has in all caps pig pig. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm like I'm clicking, I'm clicking on I'm like what is the pig what is the pig what like, is the pig oh it's so good though it's so good speaking of, speaking what of important. tweets what is the pig speaking of tweets here's a tweet from Matt Matt Condon August 24th oh boy yeah sex is cool and all but have you ever discovered 27 clovers all at yes. once on Clovers Network yeah no no kidding it's very satisfying because what happens is there's this beautiful confetti animation that the confetti, pops off the yeah confetti. And if you minimize your browser for whatever reason, it like cues all of your um, the pig keeps running, but it cues up all of the celebrations. And so whenever you unmute or uh, maximize your window, it all goes off at the same time and like lags your browser out, and it's incredible. It's very satisfying. The confetti. At what at what stage was the confetti added? Uh, super recent. It was. Yeah. It kept going through. At one point, we thought that the pig should maybe squeal. <laughs> But there's like some really unfortunate sound clips out there. Nothing, nothing really fit. No, right, the confetti works really and well. So, and w- the confetti is great. It, it, it. Uh, it's so funny how the smallest, stupidest thing can actually really like, uh, you know, uh, affect those dopamine centers totally. in your brain. It's like it's it it. Absolutely, <laughs> there's some really small like the, those high impact um, like. Not minimal effort, but less effort, high impact, that sort of high ratio stuff that you can do to products that is just so, so worth it. And we found that out at um, the hackathon as well when we were building this thing where right at the end, I was like, you know, it'd be cool if because I don't want to get into the project that we made. But at the end, you collect this NFT that is this uh, visualization memorabilia thing of what you had just gone through. And so instead of just like giving it to you, I was like at, you know, 5 a.m., I'm addled. I'm just like ready to go to sleep. I'm like, what if you could like drag it into your wallet? And we had this like visualization of all your other uh, tokens on the Mm. thing. And then you physically drag it over. And that's like what's minting it. And that just like resonated with people for some reason or another and was sort of the close that loop. And so I think in the same way, the confetti is one of those things that's like, it really it hits you with the dopamine. It makes you like really want these. I think I'm actually mining clovers right now. I need to stop that because I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's your computer making that noise. So I want to talk a little bit about the design of the site. As Matt was saying, I think it's probably the the just most pleasant to use of all the projects that I've seen. You have a, you have a garden that that you're walking through and you're scrolling um, through. And these are just clovers, non-rare clovers that are being, as you scroll, they're being generated. Is that right? That's right. So you just scroll down. You can sort of infinite scroll through your garden and just looking for, they're not symmetrical. They're not necessarily quote unquote rare, but you can look for ones that you feel like are beautiful. And if you like one, you just add it to your basket. And then you have your little basket full of things that your pig found for you or things that you liked. Then there's... Then there's the feed, which shows you what is the feed exactly? Feed is kind of all activity in general. Um, so that's any clover right. that exists. Uh, it gets updated by modified as the default view. So if somebody adds a comment to a clover, somebody uh, renames a clover, if somebody buys or sells one, it gets bumped up to the top of that list. So it's more visible. So that's sort of like uh, oh. the most recent, uh, recently touched or something like that, which is similar to what the activity list is. Uh, But the activity list includes stuff about the Clover coin, the buying, the selling, stuff like that as well. Yeah, I like that. It makes it feel alive. Um, That's something that a lot of blockchain products don't get is their products feel slow or like nobody's using it. But Clover's feels alive. 
Well, we've been lucky. We've gotten lots of activity as well. So it's nice to just watch that and you can really see things happen in real time. Now, I, I have a feature request and I don't know if this exists yet, but I, so like I just really wanted to go in right away and see all of Matt's clovers. Yeah. Uh, so there is a way, if you know his wallet address, you can manually type in clovers.network slash users slash that address. I see. Uh, anywhere on the site that you see his name, you can also I just click, click it, it and it'll open right. it. Uh, oh, there he is. Oh, wait, I found him. We don't have very good search at this point, and that's definitely right. something that's on the to-do list to make uh, cool. album searchable, username searchable, Clover searchable, because right now it's basically the uh, the filtering system that's on the feed and the filtering system that's on each person's profile for that. Yeah, I'm I'm that's Shrugs uh, is my username, so please find me and, and like my Clovers. Yeah, I've got a Spooky Boy who I have three variations of now. I'm looking at yeah. Scooby Boy, Spooky Boy right now. <laughs> Very I good. Like I've got one yeah. uh, just facing the the camera, I guess. One of him sleeping, and one <laughs> of what looks like him being confused, where he like rotates his head and is like, "Huh." And so I'm trying to get the whole expressive set of spooky boys. And then it won't be long until you have like the entire, you know, like South Park uh, expression set and you can start animating. (laughs) That sounds dope. Yeah. Or like make it a sticker (laughs) pack on Telegram so I can react to people with spooky boy. Yeah. Somebody on Discord made, um, I don't know if they're called stickers or stamps on Discord, but there's like 50 different clovers that you can use. That's really good. I need those. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's really actually sold me on Discord. Discord is always a little too overwhelming for me, but one of the community yeah. members made one immediately because they all hate Telegram. And there's like, I don't know, 80 or 90 <laughs> people in there and they're chatting all the time. And it's like they're yeah. explaining it to each other, which is so amazing to see because it's obviously that's a weird great. and dense project. And it, that's been such a, a, a bottleneck, you know, just like trying to download what the hell is going on to somebody and to watch other people do it for you is just the best feeling. Can I ask? So that, that's a question I had for you. Um, what kind of reaction, if any, have you had from uh, non-crypto people? Who and and what is and what has that been like so far? You know, most of them are just sort of like happy that I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, 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 right. Good job. Good job. Um, but like, yeah, but like, so you were saying, for instance, you know, to 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 use it, you have to use MetaMask or. Portis. There's four options. I forget what all four are. Um, um, I guess, uh, you know, in terms of like non-crypto people, that's always going to be an issue. How did you decide on the four um, sort of uh, login options? And are there other ones that you considered that didn't make it? Yeah, so that's an amazing library uh, from the Wallet Connect people, Pedro especially. It's called Web3 Connect, and uh, you can put it in replacement of like your normal uh, Web3 object search, which is just sort of trying to detect if somebody has a wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, we just use Portis as a fallback because they're sort of like a nice wallet as a service. They store a hashed version of your key store, and right. it's encrypted by username and password, so it's a little bit more like a traditional login experience. And then you can access it from, you know, your Safari browser on your phone, from any device and sort of log in and stuff like that. I have a Portis. I have some Portis socks that I oh, got. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we discovered this this uh, uh, Web3 Connect library, which just does everything for you. You mm. give it like um, a Portis developer key and a Fortmatic developer key. And the default option is it pops up and detects the wallet that you have and changes the icon based on it. And mm. then it gives you fallback for Portis and Fortmatic, as well as uh, Wallet Connect, which is their product. Kind of connects to any uh, Web3 uh, wallet that supports it. So you have something like Rainbow Wallet. You know, so Rainbow Wallet doesn't have a DAP browser, but because of um, Wallet Connect or the Gnosis browser, you know, you can sign the transactions on your phone if you're browsing on your computer and you want to, you know, push it to that secure device or something. So that's been really uh, great to have, and it's nice too because when you do it on, like, say, the Coinbase wallet or status on your phone, that pop-up comes, but it only has the one option, and it'll automatically say, log in with your status browser, or log in mm. with your... Actually, instead of Coinbase, it says Cypher. I think they bought Cypher, so that's like right. a branding mix match, but it's it's really <laughs> nice that you're able to have all these options, for, for at least for the people who already know what's going that's on. That's fantastic, yeah. And, and I guess, so my, I guess my question was, for the people who have you... How many people, if any, have you encountered who don't know what's going on, and have you have you had to walk anybody through through the, you know, well, here you got to get a wallet and ooh, you got to set this up and here's yeah, what you got to do. That's basically how it's gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have yeah. a plan for that, which I'm really excited about. Oh. You know, again, the sort of focus was going to be on what our obvious 
core demographic would be, which are people who right. are already a little familiar. But uh, I'd really love to sort of expand that into to more newbies. And one method that uh, I've come up with is, so on Clovers, you, you, you have the chance to make money, right? You right. can run your pig, find these symmetrical Clovers, cash them in for Clover coin. You can cash that Clover coin in for Ether, and you immediately go from, from zero to, to something. Of course, there's this huge blocker that if you don't have any Ether to begin with, you can't run those transactions that'll pay you out. Right. So our idea is, uh, you know, always, always down to sacrifice security for UX, we have a trusted third party, our Clover guy. Mm-hmm. If you find, say, 10 symmetrical Clovers, you send them to us off-chain, we verify them, we register them, we take uh, a cut, which is the gas that it takes for us to do that, and we send you back all the profit. So you that you're able to go I from zero. This. That's great. And you uh, can do that You can do that all sort of like, n- n- they wouldn't even have to know any of that is really going on. All they know is that they're finding symmetrical clovers, and then suddenly they have a little bit of money. Totally, totally. I mean, it would have to be a different uh, user flow, like, hey, do you want to cash right. these in? Right. We see that you don't have any ether. Like, just click here. We'll we'll take care of it. It seems That's really great. reasonable. Like, the UX seems pretty reasonable. It's like, you need 10 of these to, like, register them on, them, them on the blockchain. Um, that seems like a really, like, understandable thing to give someone as a blocker. But also, I love the idea of paying for what is basically a meta transaction with Clovers. That's right. so cool. Because it's really cool, yeah. This is, like, one of the mechanics that I think is totally being discovered right now is that you can totally use non-fungible things as money um it's entirely possible and that's what we're doing with stickers but i love that you can absolutely use clovers as money in this case because when you tranche them they become fungible and it's like hey uh we need x amount of uh eth to pay this thing that means like one ultra rare or like 10 uh single symmetricals like that's that's really really neat yeah, I mean, because, you know, from my perspective, like, I um, I would totally tweet this out into, like, my, you know, I keep my Twitter separate. I have, like, my, my normie Twitter, my normal Twitter, and then, like, my, my crypto NFT Twitter. Insta. And, and, like, <laughs> and, like, I want to, I want to tweet this out into my normie Twitter, um, but I want to wait. I think I would wait until you have that up and running, um, I think, because I think there's, like, there's people who I know in like the normie tech space who I think would really love this, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't know what to do yet. And I don't want to force them into MetaMask, you know, yeah, or anything. It's not a good force. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't turn to someone and say, you know, here's this cool product, but also you have to deal with this. Yeah. With all this yeah. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I also would wait until our system's a little more stable. I've yeah. been overwhelmed a little bit by the response we got. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. It's a great problem to have, but uh, we've definitely been struggling to keep our server up and oh, wow. sort of keeping the system running and, and things like that. Um, so it's been nice also to have sort of like the slow start from these sort of like dedicated fans who are, are telling me about bugs they find. You know, there's yeah. sort of, I was talking to them today and <laughs> they got kind of excited. I didn't realize I could do this, but I offered them rare clovers if they make PRs that get merged into the oh, repo. Nice. I'm so opening that, GitHub right now. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is open source. So it's like uh, we're an open book and there's good things and bad things that come with that. You know, if somebody wanted to, they could probably drill down and find a couple other vulnerabilities. But because it's a small project, you know, there's not a ton of money in the whole thing. Uh, if they did want to steal it or really ruin everybody's day, they wouldn't get away with that much. So it's like, what are the real benefits? Why not actually just contribute to the project instead? Right. And I mean, ultra rare clovers are literally priceless. So exactly. Exactly. much better than, than what real money. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what, what are the, do you have a sense of how many users? Is that something that you're tracking or like, do you know how big it's gotten so far? Yeah. So, um, I mean, the first day was kind of the most impressive. We had yeah. 5,000 new clovers <sighs> minted in 24 hours. That's great. Um, that's over 10,000 transactions. Um, in the first five days, there were 25,000 transactions. So that's an average of one transaction every 20 seconds. Wow. I think there's about 350 Clovers holders. A couple of them have over 200 Clovers already. Wow. That's more distributed than most ICOs. <laughs> Actually, I was, I was laughing because I, I wanted to check on the Clover coin distribution. And um, so the whole thing began with me putting in the 10K leftover from the ECF grant as the first like buy into the bonding curve. Hmm. So that all that money basically becomes funding for the miners and for the inflation and all that sort of stuff. So, but obviously, you know, this, this initial purchase owns uh, the vast majority of these Clover coins. There's like 25 K or something. 
I mean, these are meant to just kind of sit there because otherwise it would destroy the economy. But um, there's a bunch of other people who've been, you know, participating in small quantities, medium quantities, whatever. And, and I looked at the graph and this sort of made sense to me, except for there was one user who had like 10,000 clovers. I was like, oh no, like we have a whale. Somebody's going to manipulate the market. Like, I can't believe also somebody would have spent that much money. It was like $3,000 worth of clover coin at that moment. And uh, the whole... <laughs> it got me scared but then i followed through with the address and i was like who is this person and then it took me back to the clover's contract itself and i was like oh my god it's me <laughs> <laughs> and i realized i made a mistake in the uh the burning flow so the whole economy is based on you know you have inflation and these rewards you give out to people who find these but there's also these burning events that take place to counterbalance that so i'll give you three clover coins if you find one but if you decide to keep it instead, you got to pay three clover coins. Or if you um, say take those that reward, you know, instead of taking that clover, I take that clover as a contract. It becomes like an orphan clover. I put it up for sale at five times the reward that I gave you for. So if somebody buys it from me, you know, I just burn that and that original hmm. one too. If you decide to keep that clover and you pay those three coins, those get burned instantly. So that's how you counterbalance the inflation that's going to miners. And um, on one of those burn occasions, I, I was using like a previous version of the contract that just, you know, moved it over into the Clover's contract and just held it. So mm. all of these Clover's would, Clover coins, which were supposed to be getting burned and sort of balancing the economy, were just getting siphoned off. <laughs> and so I did a ritualistic burn over the weekend where I just oh, wow. burned all, there were 11,000 <laughs> at that point, and it was $3,000 worth of Clover coin just to, to balance, the, balance the books. I, I remember when that happened because obviously... Um, when you're uh, registering a clover or trying to take the reward, you're like wondering how many clover coins you're getting. And of course you check the ETH price and see what's going on. And as soon as you burnt all of those coins, it then became profitable in like absolute terms to redeem all of these uh, single symmetrical clovers. And that was really cool to see like such a direct impact on the economy where just you have all this leftover clovers or clover coin and then you can burn that. And that directly affects the automatic market maker who then like affects real people who are using the product. That's, that's really cool. Totally. I love to see in the graph as well. There was like a, like a plateau, you know, it's slowly, slow moving down and then just shoots straight up on the burn event. <laughs> Everything from there is back in the top. And I like how, I like how the, the, the terminology there actually works. Uh, it's um, true. Burning, burning fields of clovers. Exactly. <laughs> the Amazon, unfortunately is burning, uh, but also uh, you're burning. Too soon. Uh, too soon. Yeah. Sorry. It's actively um, happening. That's way too soon. <laughs> You're yeah. also burning um, 11,000 clovers. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 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 no, so I'm yesterday. Sad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have brought that up. Um, yesterday, I um, I took a couple clovers that I liked and um, did my did my uh, my thing that I do. Um, try to turn them into into music. Um, using a variation of the thing that I did with, with the last, um, the, um, autoglyphs perhaps. Yeah. The autoglyphs, yeah. a variation of the thing, you know, cause it's essentially the same kind of, um, because it's generative and discreet, you can it's generative sort of... and it, I mean, it looks, it looks like a drum machine pattern too, to me. Like when I look oh, at it, it totally I see, does. You're right. cool. I see Ooh, someone put like a clover on an ovation or something and like show that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. that's, you know, it's, it's, it, it, what is it? It's eight by eight. Right. So, yeah. so, I mean, if you had any kind of like eight by eight drum machine type thingy, you could put a whole bunch of clovers into it and just, it would do, it would make sounds. It would make pat you intentional know. noise. So like, what's the, what are, what's like the immediate next step? I mean, I guess get, getting the, getting the server stable is probably your, your like your right now thing. But like, what is, what do you see as like the, in the next like six months, where do you see this project going? Yeah. So stabilizing the current infrastructure is definitely a priority. Um, getting this sort of onboarding flow for, um, people who don't have ether, I would mm -hmm. like to prioritize for sure. Um, and then actually there's been a lot of talk about already sort of like what it would look like if we had it on a side chain or something like that to sort of reduce the gas cost because mm. i mean it's been number three gas guzzler on ethereum a couple days this week and it's yep. like it's just kind of absurd that you're spending so much hard-earned money just to like get the clover itself that's not going to me that's not going to anywhere that's just going straight to miners 
We've talked about this before that that there's this there's this really perverse thing that happens with Ethereum projects where like you can't be too successful because then you know you the gas prices go through the roof and and like the thing that happened with CryptoKitties yeah. like they they killed their own momentum just by the just by the sheer force of existing and by having so many users. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what would that process look like to move to a, to a side chain? So there's a few options, and um, I feel kind of lucky in the experiences that I've had in the last year because I I am I'm, I feel well prepared for the options. Right. Um, so there's something uh, which would be super fast and easy, like using the XDAI, XDAI network or POA. Right. So you just redeploy EVM stuff, and you'd have this bridge that you can move ERC20s and ERC721s back. I built Clovers in a way so that the uh, 721 and the 20, sorry, the um, the actual NFTs and the, the like currency, those will remain as sort of like canonical contracts. But there's these two other helper contracts, and those ones I can swap out and upgrade as much as I want. And they have like certain permissions on the uh, oh. on the coin ones that stay forever. So if the economy changes drastically, where it's not just parameters inside the contracts, or if there's bugs, you know, I can always move those out and then um, let them be the sort of deciding factor on who can mint and why can they mint under what conditions. So it'd be really easy to sort of move the the voice of authority over to a side chain. So you have to like do the initial registration. So that's where the sort of race condition takes place. And then once they've been sort of uh, satisfied there from that side chain, you can move over the authority to like mint them on the, on the main net, um, or move them back and forth, you know, as you wish. Uh, it's a bit of a trusted process if it was going to go in the current sort of, um, X die system. Uh, so there is like a more larger sort of public variation of that, which would be something like building uh, a cosmos SDK chain and, right. uh, Golang, which is what I've been doing with cosmos the last year or so is kind of, oh, wow. Uh, learning what application-specific blockchains look like, how should they be secured, what does it look like to move from like a private one to a public one, how do you scale with your users, you know, because I'm a big fan of this idea that, um, or a big believer in, in premature optimization is the root of all evil. And the same goes for security. You know, you don't need World War III battle-resistant blockchain if there's no value on it, if right. there's no users. This is something we've talked about a lot, yeah. And so... Um, thinking about what would like a semi-private or like um, permissioned uh, independent blockchain look like with an SDK app where I'm probably running that thing, but making things way easier, making it completely free for all users, and then transitioning that into maybe some sort of a public validator set for, for stakeholders in the community. You know, it'd be people who actually participate in the game, who have vested interest in seeing it continue, who would want to maybe be the ones who run the validator infrastructure. And then you'd have peg zones, so you can move assets back and forth between Ethereum. And with the uh, emergence of what's called inter-blockchain communication, IBC, uh, it means that from that Cosmos chain, you'd also be able to exit into the wider ecosystem of the emerging application-specific blockchain systems. I, I really want to see a, a side chain where I can stake Clover Clovers themselves to be a validator. Like put up my sick, like five-way symmetric clover as my stake and then if it gets slashed maybe a few leaves get cut off and it becomes a like a three-way symmetric clover i think we're taking it too far but (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah have you learned anything um around the project or because of producing the project obviously it it functions as a medium for you to like get into all the different things that um you're into like bonding curves and so on have you learned anything that you didn't expect to learn uh while building clovers uh perhaps around economics or around the crypto primitives that you're working with, um, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, everything. Everything that I basically know in the crypto space uh, has been informed one way or another by Clovers. The first cool. time I really played with Bitcoin was around 2012 or 13, and um, I kind of, I'd been playing with this idea of like Othello boards, trying to find symmetrical ones at the end for, since I was in college, it was it began from like a computer science uh, assignment oh i love that that's so cool that's fantastic <laughs> that, that, to... that, that even makes it better in, yeah. in my mind i mean we... it what a story like like this is your this is your life's love work love that man. narrative yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fantastic yeah we were supposed to like find uh we were supposed to build a an ai player who's good at playing othello you know it's it was like used in early ai because the rule set is so right. small but the game tree is just really massive so you can't like brute force it you can't just play every possible combination of every move because you'd you know, run out of um, matter in the universe or whatever to be able to store that much. 
And so you have to like create a smart player who says, according to this position, maybe I look ahead three moves, then I move down that branch. And then from there, I look another three moves and then I move down that branch or something like that. Uh Uh, But instead of playing it to win, I, you know, of course thought it would be funnier to make it do something else. (laughs) Right, 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 right. (laughs) And uh, I mean, I was kind of studying art at the time and I think I had discovered this, this, uh, a lot of the work I was doing was related to games and play and, um, I think it was either Roger Calois or Johann Heisinger. It was these like play theorists who talked about this. Um, actually, it could have been Bernard Suits, who has this amazing book, Grasshopper, and talks about this quadrant of players where on one axis you have the rules of a game and on another axis you have the objective of a game. Hmm. And if you play with the rules and with the objective, you're just a normal player. You're just hmm. playing the game. And if you play with the objective, but you don't use those rules, you're a cheater. You've modified those rules in mm-hmm. order to get that objective. Uh, if you play without the rules and without the objective, you're a spoil sport, basically walking through the middle of the field. Um, and if you play with the rules, but with a different objective, you're called a toyer. You go in there and you're toying the game, basically. And so this sort of idea, I think, is really resonant with like the hacker ethos where you, you go to a system and you use the system exactly how it was built, but for a different purpose than it was intended. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see this as well, sort of in the idea of art, uh, appropriating materials and things like that and so this was very much on my mind I guess in the class and I was also kind of a slacker so I like to be able to um, do one assignment and turn it in for two different classes <laughs> so I was able to do that with this one in my my phone that's class the best. right that's absolutely incredible what's what's the um, so obviously inspired directly by art and the sort of work you were doing um, how do you view clovers from the perspective of art when I first sort of started thinking about and around this idea um i was thinking about it in terms of like aura you know this idea of uh the aura in an artwork or or something that makes a otherwise normal object charged or special Mm. and Mm -hmm. i now would probably use the terminology proof of work for that like uh, something which is benign like you know a string of uh numbers uh is is just so commonplace it doesn't matter but when you sort of attach this presence of 10,000 machines working for hours trying to produce this exact string, you know, you've, mm. you've charged it with this energy and this capacity and this value. Mm. And, uh, and so I was really sort of resonating with that idea of these, these board games where it's like, it's such a simple and benign object. It's just this board game, you know, anybody can play it randomly, but the fact that this outcome is, is extremely difficult, you know, it, it charges it with this, the specialness of this value or this aura is what I kept thinking of it then. But now in like hindsight, I would call it, or can see the parallel at least to, to what proof of work is so that was like the first kind of like condition or or idea that i was encountering with this why i felt like it was like an artwork or similar related or something like that and so i started producing these sculptures around them kind of making them as these leather spheres uh, a couple paintings Whoa. these vitrines and um and then at one point i was like man it would be great if i could get other people to to <laughs> to find these things for me. I was like, I should make this into like a game and like make like a botnet across the world and sort of figure out some system where they don't even care that I'm making art about it, but they just want to see these things too. Hmm. And that sort of started the whole process. I love this. I love this because there's such a good origin story. Yeah. There's this joke about how Bitcoin was invented by um, ASIC manufacturers or (laughs) GPU manufacturers explicitly (laughs) to sell more of their hardware. Um, There's also the joke about Bitcoin being invented by aliens in order to like harvest energy from the planet. Like I love that the, there's a parallel there and that you just want to make art and constructing this complex crypto economic system in which other people generate your art for you is part of the art. I love that. That's like, it's so good. Two other things along those lines at ETH Berlin, I saw that you were making um, copper uh, versions of people's clovers. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, So actually the, the sort of artwork aspect of it has continued as well. I've been 3d printing uh, turtle shells as well that have hmm. looks like they have holes drilled in the shell that are the different formations of these these clovers and those are out of bronze and terracotta and um because i was working these materials i also thought it'd be a lot uh easier to just produce them as these kind of flat discs for people and so that's mm-hmm. what i was doing because they also only take you know 20 minutes and the turtle shells take 10 hours or something like that right but the turtle shells were exhibited on the top floor of the east berlin and then we had this crypto labs room where you could prove to me that you owned a clover. I would, I would print it out for you as a coin. Amazing. And Matt, you have a chip in your hand on which you put a clover. 
Is that correct? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess that's a, another form of derivative art. Um, but I have a chip in my hand, uh, an NF NFC chip. Well, I've turned it into an NFT chip uh, in that it holds <laughs> NFTs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I had previously put a, uh, a meta transaction signature on it so that anyone who had scanned my hand could then send that to a contract and redeem themselves an NFT. Um, but in the short time that Clovers came out, I was like, of course, I need to put this on here. So I slapped the URL of my favorite Clover uh, onto my hand and then asked people to scan it at the ETH Berlin, which wasn't weird at all. Um, and many <laughs> people en hand. enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're, we're wrapping up here. You guys have to get out of the, the podcasting room. Indeed. That it you're is in. time and space scarce out here. You can find Clovers if you haven't already. And I can't imagine that you haven't, if you're <laughs> listening to this, but if you haven't, it's at clovers.network. Great URL. Just a great URL. Mm -hmm. I have Solid. to say. Uh, Clover's Network on Twitter. Um, you can find Billy. What's your Twitter handle? Billy Renicamp, just my name. Billy Renicamp on Twitter. You can find Matt at Matt G Condon. I'm Song a Day Man. Uh, Matt, do you have anything else? Do you want to? Is there someplace people oh, can yeah. see what you won? Uh, I can show um, the dot gallery, which is what we built at the hackathon and nice. um, won the award for. It's um, to, to put it simply, it's the internet native gallery experience. The idea is that um, the holistic experience of owning something, um, in this case specifically art, is lacking uh, for the digital uh, mediums because all of the interesting mechanics around owning something that we love and enjoy in the real world uh, were never carried over in a natural way to the digital space. And so we're trying to take the concept of a gallery, which is a core part of how you, um, as an art collector, experience art in the real world. You want this signal, you want this social layer, there's this experiential layer. Try to break that down into its core components and then reconstitute it in the web's image. So trying to avoid three-dimensionality, trying to avoid... Um, you know, showing perfect provenance. We want to tell a narrative. We wanted to add a thin social layer. Anyway, so we've built um, a really in interactive uh, experience for discovering these works and these narratives. And so we showcased clovers along with like autoglyphs. And we told the story of Igor's um, crypto kitty from Ethereal, the 140K crypto kitty. Oh, yeah. Um, along with uh, some crypto punks as well. And just trying to tell those stories and produce an experience that. Um, is not it, that feels natural and is uh, sort of translatory and not skeuomorphic. Anyway, you can check that out at dot dot gallery dot dot gallery. Great, great um, URL. You, uh, yeah. Just killing it really with these good. URLs. I guys. mean, URLs. They're so these URLs are so good. They need like a product to put on them, not the yeah. other way around. Right, right, right. And we're just backing it up with with dope products. That's Real true. quick, that reminds me. Look up Oliver Larrick, still available. It's an okay. ongoing series of work where he just makes a list of domain names that are still available in that moment. They're so good. It'll be that like are good. Shenzhen good. Olympics 2049. Oh, Jesus. He, I used to work for him, and when I first started, he was like, so do you have a website yet? I was like, no. He's like, you don't own BillyRinnenkamp.com? I was like, no. And then he produced a work that had BillyRinnenkamp.com on it, and then Soho House bought it. So if you go into Soho House, you can see my name <laughs> no, on his artwork. Really? Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> That's fantastic. So there is a home um, for just domain names that need a product waiting for them. I like Indeed. this. Absolutely. In Indeed. Um, really quick, I'm going to just um, plug my Patreon page Absolutely. because that would go, it goes a long way um, to, to continuing to produce these podcasts. Um, one of the reasons why we've been so slow, I've been doing a lot of work and, um, love having these conversations. My Patreon page is patreon.com slash Jonathan man. If you want to go, uh, support the show in that way, otherwise leave us a review on iTunes. Um, and once I get enough of those, I will turn the reviews into a song. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been telling people about that at, at do Berlin. we got recognized. I, I wore my shirt one day and people were like, Oh, oh my nice. God, sweet. Yeah. Again, it's just a circle. Uh, right no, well yeah if, if anyone's gonna know, do yeah. it it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be brilliant yeah brilliant yeah right. absolutely um billy thanks so much for joining us this was a blast um thanks congrats for on me. clovers it's fantastic you yep. love it thanks so much all looking right looking forward to donating my uh gpu to you even further <laughs> yes in the, in the near future <laughs> see you later cool. see y'all ciao ciao Ooh, digital scarcity what does any of it mean 
Gotta fix usability for NFTs to go mainstream. NFTs ain't finance, arguments ain't war. No stone bridges out of iron anymore. No stone bridges out of iron anymore. If there were two Mona Lisas, the same in every way. But you know that one was real, and you know that one is fake. Which one would you say has the authenticity? Failure begins with having to explain fungibility. Are NFTs for their own sake enough in the end? Or do you need utility and speculation? Ooh, digital scarcity, what does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for NFTs to go mainstream. NFTs ain't finance, arguments ain't war. No stone bridges out of All magic is change You can inscribe a magical word Onto the blockchain I could make money off this song Every single time it's heard If it were an NFT owned by an ERC-20 bonded curve Matt owns the podium He won't light it on fire though Horse dung and Ultima Online Was a currency, don't you know? Scarcity, what does any of it mean? Gotta fix usability for NFTs to go mainstream. NFTs ain't finance, arguments ain't Stone has a story. Noriel Rubini is wrong. William Chamberlain invented curved salad tongs. Don't just focus on scarcity for NFTs and games. Use your imagination, explore the whole range. And we've come so far with the internet, but all white papers got these two column DS. Oh, ooh, digital scarcity. What does any of it mean? 